For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Let's pray. Bless us this morning, Father. Help us and our hearts to prepare for the advent, the arrival of your Son, Jesus. For those who are weary and weak, would you bring them hope? For those who are backslidden, who are starting to run like the prodigal son, would you remind them of this great hope? And for those that do not know you and their hearts are hardened and their eyes are blind from seeing you, would you reveal this hope to them this morning? Pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Do you remember the feeling as a kid when Christmas Day was approaching? Yeah, Lucy? It's probably a long time ago for you, huh? No? All right. There's no doubt in my mind that most of you might be able to relate with this a little bit. You're probably a little bit like me when I was a kid. Christmas was about being off from school and presents. And the candy, of course. Count down the days in anticipation. And while you counted down, you were reminded again and again, just wait. (laughs) Just be patient. And still hear my mom's voice in the back of my head. Just because you've asked me again doesn't mean that it's going to get here any sooner. There's this hopeful anticipation. This hopeful feeling in your gut that you can't quite put your finger on why it's there. And for Christians... Not only do we celebrate Christmas with being off from school and work and presents, but this time of the year in the church, it's known and celebrated as Advent. Are you familiar with that word, Advent? Advent is uh, a Latin word. Use this at a dinner party for arrival. So you text somebody and you're going to have them over for dinner. You can ask them, what's the advent of your time? You might sound like a snob if you do that, so don't do that. You know, one thing, though, that's grieved me is seeing, though, how this Christmas season is presented, specifically how Christians 
prepare themselves for the Christmas season. It comes and it goes. And there's really nothing to ready themselves for Christmas Day, the day that the church celebrates Christ's coming. You see, because we're forgetful people, some, some person at some point of time thought it would be good to take an extended time to think, to, to meditate, to remember the long-awaited arrival of Christ. Think about it like this. All the way from Genesis 3 to the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 1, there is this anticipation of the arrival of the long-awaited offspring that would make everything right again. Thousands of years, people were waiting for the arrival of this offspring that would make all things right again. They waited. They waited through sorrow, through prosperity, through ordinary living, through wars, famines, pandemics. They waited patiently, and at times, the people waited not so patiently. So for the next four weeks, we will be doing a series on Advent to prepare our hearts for the arrival of of Christ. So this isn't me saying get rid of presents and make a Christian dull and boring and dry like the world thinks that the church does. And instead, I think we should make this season the greatest season of the year. Letting Christ's arrival make this time even more of a celebration with bigger parties and more generosity. But I think this is only going to happen if we really try to think and meditate about Christ's arrival more than just on Christmas Eve. Or maybe the occasional reading from Luke on Christmas morning. In our passage today, we see the Apostle Paul write to the church in Rome. And in these verses, we see him talk about the role that hope plays. the role that hope plays in the advent or the arrival of the future glory. What I'm going to try to argue for this morning is the arrival of Christ produces hope in Christ. This is why the advent season starts out with the theme hope. So the arrival of Christ produces hope in Christ. And we're going to see this in two points. Bill's got me on a kick of two points because I'm afraid that he's going to say something if I go to three points. <laughs> First point, hope that saves. Verse 24. Second point, hope that waits. In our first point, Paul is telling the Romans about a hope that saves. Paul's words are, for in this hope we are saved. So the question that we need to ask ourselves is, what is this hope that Paul is talking about. What hope saves? In this specific passage, Paul is 
talking more specifically about the hope of the coming kingdom, the, the future glory of God's kingdom. In fact, if you look at verses 13, or 18 through 23, you get a clearer picture of why he says this is why we hope. And I think a lot of us probably can relate to what's happening in verses 18 through 23. We see things like that they are suffering. We see things like the people and this world that we live in, the creation, are groaning of knowing that something isn't quite right. Something is just a little bit off still. Does this remind you of a group of people at all? Let's think about God's chosen people, Israel. They groaned quite a bit. They groaned as they hoped for the promised Messiah. They suffered as slaves in exile. And for the most part, their kingdom was one of division and scandal. But they were given a promise that a king would come from their nation and establish a kingdom that would last forever. And so the people of Israel hoped. They hoped in this future king and kingdom that it would one day come. Maybe this past year you have been swept up in the current of suffering. Maybe you've experienced dark hours of verbal groaning. If this is the case, and listen to what hope is. Hope is a strong conviction that the future promises of God will be fulfilled. What is the promise of God that Paul is talking about here? He's talking about a hope that saves. This hope that is in Jesus Christ, that he, he came to earth, he lived a sinless life, he, he faced the full wrath of God on our behalf. And three days later, rose again. And that one day, Christ will come back for those who have put their trust in him and repented of their sins. Now, I, I know that you have heard this more times than we can shake a stick at the past two years. We live in uncertain times. Everyone is groaning. Can't we see that? Turn the news station on. Look at the groaning that takes place. People feel like something isn't quite right. And so what do we try to do? We try placing our hope in politics or a partner or a sports team or a retirement and a vacation home. But the reality is that they will let you down, right? Okay, let's be honest. As a Bears fan, I'm just so happy for the Packers season. <laughs> 
You know, I was, I was at the YMCA a couple of weeks ago in the morning playing basketball with Cole. And he was playing and I was sitting out and there were these two Packer fans going back and forth. And one of them was like, we're going to run the board, man. We're going to run the board and we're going to go to the Super Bowl and we're going to win it. And all I can think of is you're insane, man. <laughs> but here's the thing. I can admire his hopefulness. This, this future hope that he has in something that may happen. In our sin, we, we look to places to put our hope in, in, in our present realities. We, we look to hope in our present realities. But when we, we put our hope in, in a place to live, like a, like a new home, we find out real quick that that home becomes boring and we want a new one. We look to a partner and we, we think that if we just put our hope in a partner that that will be our satisfaction only to realize they're a little bit more messy than we realized. And we think that the grass is then greener on the other side. We become fooled putting our hope in a present reality. Put your hope in Christ the perfect Son of God. He will not let you down. He is going on being undefeated from eternity to eternity. Trust in Him. He will give you the assurance for your future that you are looking for. But I know one of the criticisms or one of the questions toward Christianity is, well, I can't see Jesus. How is it possible to have assurance in someone or something if I can't see them? This is why Paul already assumes this question and, and helps us out. He tells us, he tells the Romans, hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes in for what he sees. Look, if there was a ship on Lake Michigan and it's in the middle of the lake and it is sinking and the captain is able to get a hold of the Coast Guard and the Coast Guard says, we, we hear you, we know where you are. We are on our way to come and get you. The crew and the captain have hope that they will be rescued. The crew puts their hope in something they cannot presently see. This is what makes hope, hope. Is, is hope then just a, a blind wish? Is it some kind of closing your eyes, turning your back to God, folding your arms across your chest and doing a trust fall? No, this isn't what hope is. Of course, we walk by faith and not by sight, but we do that trusting in God. Let's go back to Israel for a second. Why were they filled with hope for the arrival of the forever king? Because God had given them a promise. 
And they sunk their teeth into the promise of God and trusted what he said, not their current circumstances, not what somebody else said. They trusted in his words, his promise. They trusted in who he was. And so they waited. They waited for the long arrival of their promised king with eager longing. This Advent, can I challenge us? Let's eagerly hope for the arrival of the coming of our Savior Christ Jesus. And let's take on the posture of a childlike hope, counting down the days. Let's approach Christmas Day looking back at God's faithfulness to motivate us to hope for the future. So we're seeing that the arrival of Christ produces hope in Christ because this hope is a a saving hope. This is a, a welcoming hope. And so in our second point, Paul is rounding out his argument by saying hope waits. So let's just go through a mental checklist here. What Paul is telling us is this. In the hope of Christ, we were saved and are promised a future kingdom. We're promised a future glory. But what we hope in, we don't presently see. That's because nobody hopes in what they see. And because of that, we hope for what we do not see. And as we wait... For what we hope, we wait with patience. Does that make sense? (laughs) Let me boil it down to this. We could say the arrival of Christ produces hope in Christ. And because it's Advent and we're preparing our hearts for the arrival of Christ, let's, let's go again to Israel. God promised Israel's king, David, that he would have an offspring that would establish God's kingdom forever. And kings came and went. And it doesn't take long into reading 1st and 2nd Kings to see that there were a lot of boneheads. Some really bad boneheads. They did what they thought was right in their own eyes instead of doing what was right in God's eyes. And because of that, the people of God suffered. And in case it's easy for us to put the blame just on the kings, it wasn't just the king's fault. God gave the people kings that the people wanted. The kings were the reflection of the people's hearts. Why? Because as the people waited, they grew impatient with God. Have you ever grown impatient with God? They tried taking matters into their own hands. They wanted to hope in something that they could see because they no longer they no longer hoped in God's promises in his word. Instead they hoped in people and kings. 
And so God sent them into exile where they would eventually start to hope again. But this would be the back and forth. And now Paul is telling the Romans that if they hope for what they do not see, then we wait with patience. Here, remember again the stage, the scene. The people are suffering, they're groaning. Christ has told them that he's coming back for them and they are waiting for him to come back, wanting him to take them out of this place. And because Paul is aware of the temptation to be impatient and take matters into their own hands to do it themselves, he tells them that just because you can't see this, doesn't mean that you should take this matter into your own hands. Don't be overcome by your impatience. Has your impatience caused you to start hoping in the wrong things? It's so easy to turn our eyes away from Jesus and onto something else. L let's determine right now not to be swept up in the holiday season of being distracted by consumerism. It's like a, it's like a, it sucks you down a dark vortex. <laughs> Don't put your hope in your family. Don't put your hope in the latest toys and technology that you could possibly get. In the long run, they won't satisfy you. It's not that they're, they're bad, but they won't satisfy you like you think your heart needs. Take the advice of, of Paul here and hope in the Lord and hope in patience. It's not what you see. But in who God is. This, this right here is why we are able to hope while waiting. Because we're able to look back and see how God has been faithful which leads us to look forward in eager expectation in what God will do. The arrival of Christ produces hope in Christ, but that hope waits in patience for his arrival. So I, I hope, no pun intended there, I hope you've been able to see what I'm trying to do in this sermon. And if not, let me try to explain it as we conclude here. What is the purpose of Advent? I hope I've made it clear that the purpose of Advent is this 
long-awaited arrival of Christ. It's, it's an extended period of time of thinking about Christ's arrival, His coming. It's to prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ. And the passage that we have in front of us is, is from Paul, written to the Romans. Christ has already come. Right? He's already been here. So what does this have to do with Christ's arrival? As Advent prepares us and reminds us for Christ coming to dwell with us a first time, what Advent also does is it gives us hope for his second arrival, for him coming again. So as we look back and we're reminded that God was faithful to send his son to a weary world, to save sinners, to inaugurate and start a forever kingdom, Advent should also motivate us to hope in Christ's second arrival. That he is once and all going to come again to establish his forever kingdom and give us a future glory where there will be no suffering, no groaning, no more tears or pain. No more sin. So, what we can say about Advent is that it's an intentional thinking about Christ's arrival. We intentionally think about the first arrival that leads to a, a saving hope and the second arrival that includes a patient waiting where he gives us a future glory. So this Christmas, this Christmas season, let's be swept up in hope. Let's wonder at God's gracious love for sinners and not just sending his son Jesus once, but that he's going to send him again a second time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus. We thank you for sending him a first time and we thank you that you will send him a second time. Give us this hope that we need. In Jesus' name, amen.